0: want you to imagine with me hey that the bell is dinging you can hear it that ding 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 and you're like in the corner you're in the corner and you're kind of scared and you're kind of hanging out back there but you need to get into the center ring because that's where the battle is going to be and if you stay in that corner you're just going to get pummeled there's going to be a slugfest coming your way well, I don't know if you love boxing or really don't know much about boxing. I don't really know a lot about boxing, but I love these pink gloves. It's pretty awesome. I'm like, you know, punch the Satan, kick the devil. Like I just, I'm just loving this. Just loving this. Dwayne thought I might be punching him him today, but no, no, babe, no, no, no. This is for Satan. We're going to do some warfare here today as we talk about some awesome stuff. Well, you know, um, I was not a boxing fan, but I remember growing up that I would hear about these different boxing matches that were going on. And the one thing that I absolutely loved about them actually was the marketing. (laughs) I wasn't really a fan of the actual boxing part, but I love the marketing. to have these incredible titles for their fights. Like, there was this one, it was Muhammad Ali versus Joe Frazier, and it was called The Thrilla in Manila. Like, doesn't that just want you to like sign up? Like, I'm like, okay, maybe I could watch that. The Thrilla in Manila, right? Or there was Muhammad Ali, this guy was pretty famous, and George Foreman, and No, Not the Grill. It was, he was before the grill, before the George Foreman grill. He was a boxer. And, and their boxing match was called the Rumble in the Jungle. Like, isn't that just fantastic? Like, that just makes me want to watch just because of the title, just the marketing. The Rumble in the Jungle. <laughs> uh, there was also this one with Roberto Duran and Sugar Ray Leonard. And it was called The Brawl in Montreal. Isn't that just fantastic? Like, I just love those names. And um, if you followed boxing, then these would have been unforgettable moments for you, and I actually uh, YouTubed it, and these fights are actually on YouTube. You can actually watch them, and I remember that people would like gather around, and families, and it was like a huge event, right? It was like pay-per-view, and everybody would gather around to watch the brawl in Montreal, <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I just I just love that idea of everybody coming around, and i gotta tell you something before there was jack dempsey before there was a vander the real deal Holyfield, <laughs> before there was iron mike tyson the real and undisputed champion of the universe is somebody that we know and he was crowned long before these guys you see the challenger he descended from the heavenlies, and he fell like lightning, and he inaccurately asserted his power and strength, and he had no authority to do that. He thought he could defeat the undefeatable, and he showed up on the fight scene, and he thought he was going to defeat this one who would come, who was born in a humble manger, who was this humble unassuming sweet tender guy and the enemy smiled as he saw Jesus and thought that's an easy target right that's going to be an easy one I'm going to send him to a cross and I'm going to defeat Jesus that's what the enemy thought he thought just one knockout one punch and that Jesus would be down for the count but let me tell you my Jesus he can take a punch he can take a punch. And you see, Satan thought that he won. But because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and the resurrection, that you should be celebrating every single day, not just at Easter, not just at Christmas, but every day, that resurrection, Jesus won this victory and it was unquestionable who the victory was going to go to, and that was to Jesus Christ. He's the undisputed champion. It doesn't matter what sucker punches, what Satan sent to him, Jesus has victory over all. The outcome was never actually in question. You see, the result had already been established before Jesus got in the ring with the enemy. We already knew the end before it even happened, right? And, and see what happened is there was this 10 count that was given and the enemy gets punched, the 10 count is given and he stayed down and the hands of the victor were raised up and that was to our Lord Jesus Christ. The lamb was slain, the victory was won, the belt of victory had already been assigned to Jesus. God already knew that the end before Jesus even stepped in. You see, but the thing about the enemy is that he doesn't like to stay down, does he, right? He keeps scraping together a plan and a weapon to form against those who follow Jesus, and he keeps trying to overthrow the fight, right? And some days, I I think you probably agree, it honestly feels like the enemy is winning, right? Some days, it just feels like the enemy is winning, and that the fight has gotten to be too much some days because you see values are shifting under our feet aren 't they morals and values and standards are constantly changing, and, and we 're trying to like stay aware and keep up with these constant Uh, Changes that are going on in our world, And, and our own environments are constantly at risk, aren't they? There's social and political and civil freedoms that have been threatened in our world right here today, right? And so the result is that we find ourselves in these unprecedented times with heightened, renewed, and perhaps even new attacks on every front, Things that we thought, no, it will never get that bad, we're seeing it's gotten that bad. No area has been left unscathed, physical, mental, spiritual. But you see, all of those attacks that are going on should help us to recognize that we are still in a boxing ring. We are in a fight And it's it's assumed in Scripture that we're going to know this. And it actually says in Ephesians 6.12 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And and I want you to hear this in the Passion Translation because it's a little bit different. So just hold on. Just hang on to this. Okay. Ephesians 6.12. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion So these are not the highest principalities and authority operating within the atmosphere, the sphere of God. They're operating out of rebellion under the heavenly realms. And for they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. But, but, did you catch, your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings it's with those of the dark forces, those that are trying to hold this world in bondage. So you see, I'm not fighting you. You are not fighting me. We're not in a boxing ring with gloves on fighting each other. We're fighting against the enemy. We're fighting against his demons because they are rebellious against who? Against God. They are rebellious against God, and so the enemy does not care who you are. He will put on the gloves and punch below the belt. He will not fight fair. He wants to defeat you, and we are in a fight. You see, it's this incredible tension because the war is over. The victory is confirmed and sure for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, right but there's still this abundance of enemy attacks and skirmishes and confrontations and and all of this tension even though our foe has been defeated he wants to inflict as much damage and pain and carnage and hurt and death as possible before he is sent for his final eternal defeat to the pits of hell and you see it's for this reason that I want to challenge us to fix the fight you see the fight is fixed we know who the victor is but will you fix the fight in you you see, to fix the fight, it actually means two things. One, it means to cheat. And so we're not going to do that. We don't need to do that because we're on the winning team. You see, in the second part that I want you to really hold on to is to decide the end result. We can fix the fight because we know the end result. We don't have to cheat. We don't have to borrow. We don't have to earn. We don't have to please. The fight is fixed, and we are on the winning side. Now, I want to draw you to one of the most famous passages in the Bible, and it's about a boy whose name is David. And he's a shepherd boy, and you probably know the story I'm going to go to in 1 Samuel 17, starting in verse 22. So just a little history. So David is a young guy, and he's a shepherd. He's taking care of the sheep, and the Israelites are off fighting a battle against the Philistines. And so David's older brothers are part of the Israelite army, and they're off, and they're fighting, This war, they're they're in a battle with the Philistines, okay? And so the Philistines have this huge guy, this giant, and we all know his name is Goliath. And they send him out, and he taunts the Israelites. He makes fun of the Israelites. And what do they do? Well, let's listen to the story. So David left his things with the keeper of supplies. So he's just arrived to the battle, and he hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. They're like, can you see him? There's a giant. Oh my goodness, but we can't even do that. We're so scared. We just run. And then David's like, what is going on? Like this guy is making fun of God. And and it's almost like David doesn't even realize what the monetary reward is. He's just like frustrated that this Philistine would defy the armies of the living God. And so then David's like, okay, whatever, there's a reward. And then his older brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, and Eliab was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he commanded. What about those few sheep that you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. You see, here's a tip. You never win a fight if you won't get into the fight. And how many of us don't want to actually get into the spiritual fight. We just want to watch somebody else. We just want to see the battle. We just want to watch somebody else wage the war, pray the prayers, stay up, do the fasting, count the cost, right? We just want to watch somebody else in the battle. And you got to know about these Israelite guys. Prior to this story, God had already promised them this land. He had put a promise and a covenant into the heart of Abraham and said, like, I will go before you. There was already victory. And these guys are out on the battlefield and they're not living victorious. They're living in fear, following their king Saul, and they are running in the opposite direction. And I want you to notice... That in those Israelite soldiers that would not step forward, God did not do something. He did not intervene until someone was ready to get into the fight. Right? Day after day, the Israelites cowered at Goliath. The so called fighting men of the Israelite army refused to get into the fight, there was no divine interruption. There was no divine intervention. There was no miracle. There was nothing supernatural. And I want to assure you this morning that God is willing to intervene on your behalf. God is willing to intervene on your behalf. I want you to actually say that because I want you to get this so much. I want you to say, God will intervene on my behalf. God will intervene on my behalf. But here's the thing. He can't bail you out if you won't jump in. He won't defend you if you never step into the boxing ring. The truth is so many of us are down for the count and we throw in the towel and one little bump in the road and and that's it. That's it. No no god no Jesus no I can't do this anymore. It's just too difficult. Well, the reason this story is in the Old Testament wasn't to get us distracted by the blood and the glo- gore and the, and the slaughter and the plunder. and, the, and the, though, that it, It's not meant to be a distraction. It's to remind us that God fixed the fight in us, that God wants to intervene for those who will step in to where he is calling them to go, not by cheating, but by the victory of the Lord. These stories are there to remind us that we are God's people who battles in his name because he goes before us. We're warriors and we're fighting men and women in the spiritual. And here I want you to remember this. We're not battling for victory. We're battling from victory. We're battling from victory. I want you to say that out loud. I'm battling from victory. Come on. I'm battling from victory. Say it again. I'm battling from victory. Say it again. I'm battling from victory. It changes the atmosphere because I'm not battling for something. I'm battling from a place of victory. The war has been won. The enemy has been defeated. Fear is gone. The enemy is gone. Goliath is dead because I am battling from a place of victory and that victory belongs to my Lord Jesus and he says he's adopted me in that I belong to a royal priesthood so I battle from a place of victory you see we we as a church we come together and we want to encourage and inspire each other to serve and to tithe and to love like all the ways that Jesus did but we also need to remind each other that we need to fight From a place of victory. You do not need to be Satan's punching bag. You do not need to be Satan's punching bag. If peace belongs to us, then let's fight for it. If contentment is our inheritance, then let's fight for it. If joy is ours, then let's not give up the fight and keep fighting for it if healing is ours, then we fight for it. Church, this last few weeks, my family and I have gone through some very difficult things, and it's been like a roller coaster, and do you know why? Because I kept getting in the boxing ring with the enemy, and I kept sitting down on the floor thinking I was defeated, and so Everything that God shared with me this week was all about me standing up and saying, girl, you fight from a place of victory. You do not let these circumstances in your life overtake you and push you in that corner. You ding that ring, you get out there and you fight from a place of victory. This is not a retirement home. And I don't want to be in a retirement home. This is a boxing ring for those who were willing to step into the battle with the enemy. And I think some of us might be feeling a little bit like David, right? Now, if we remember what David's brother said to him at the end of the scripture I shared, he kind of got pretty frustrated with David. Like, you're just here to see the things, and you're just here because of your pride. And basically, David's family was trying to shut him up and keep him down, right? Because David had a different approach. He had a different idea. And he was like, no, 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 no. we're not going to allow this enemy to come to make fun of our God. And so David's brother tries to get him to Settle into the defeat. You see, David's brother wants him to be defeated and sit down with him and get comfortable, right? And my question for you is, is there somebody like that in your life? Somebody who's trying to sideline you? Somebody who's trying to belittle you? Someone who's defeating you before you even get up? They're like, oh, yeah, You think that's your dream? Like, look how insignificant you are. You can't make any difference. Right? You're just a nobody. You don't have influence. You're a nothing. You're too old. You're too young. You're too sick. You're too unworthy. You're untalented. You don't have gifts. You don't have influence. And some of these might be the enemy in our head. But some of them are words from people that we hear around us. Because... You see, when somebody is comfortable in their own mess and doesn't want to step out of their own bondage and move into healthiness, they don't really want the people around them doing that because if the people around them step into healthiness, then that actually puts a spotlight on their misery. And misery loves company, doesn't it? You see, if you stand up, it'll force them to come to grips with their own chains. And so what we do is we sideline right? We try to keep somebody in that pit of despair, thinking, well, then I don't have to deal with my stuff, right? We can just walk through this together. Well, Joshua says in 18.3, to the Israelites, how long are you going to wait before taking possession of the remaining land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you? Church, apply that to your life. How long are you going to wait before you step up and step in? Tomorrow? Today? Five years? Ten years? You see, the enemy knows that if you get your dander up, if you get your gumption up, the enemy knows that they're doomed. The enemy knows who Jesus is and will do everything to keep you from stepping into the fight in the name of Jesus Christ. Because the enemy knows the fight is fixed. The enemy knows that they're doomed if you come in the name of Jesus Christ. James 2.19 says, You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you! Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. See, could it be that the enemy knows if you ever get fighting mad, they have no fighting chance? Could it be that those demonic spirits know that if you ever step up, they're going to have to step off? There isn't room for both. Maybe they're working overtime to intimidate and silence and distract and sideline you because if you ever fix yourself in the fight... They know it's over for them because the fight is fixed. The outcome has been determined. So let their objections and their belittling statements actually be a fuel for the fight in you. Church, I need someone to prove the doctor wrong because they had the faith and the belief. I want to hear of somebody who proved the banker wrong when they were almost facing bankruptcy, I want to hear of somebody who proved their ex wrong, somebody who proved the teacher wrong, somebody who proved the hurt wrong, somebody who proved the heartbreak wrong, somebody who proved the devil wrong. Today, is there anybody who will stand up and fight? It's God that determines your outcome. So fix the fight. You know the outcome. So fight for your kids. Fight for them fight for your family, fight for your marriage, fight for your spouse, fight for your friends, fight for the right to worship, fight for your faith, fight for healing, fight for souls, fight to gather in homes on Sunday mornings, fight for prayer, fight for your growth in God. We must fight the fight and you won't win until you get in. If you never get in, You're never gonna win. I won't win until I get in. I want you to say that with me. I won't win until I get in. I won't win until I get in, right? Mike Tyson, famous boxer, said, Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. (laughs) I love it. I love it, right? Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And maybe you're feeling like, you know what? Pastor Kimmy you sound really great but I've been punched in the mouth and I don't really know what to do next well there is an old saying do you have a glass chin (laughs) right do you have a glass chin I know my Jesus doesn't (laughs) I know he doesn't he can take a punch but he does not have a glass chin and I think so many of us are easy to knock out right We get defeated, we stay on the floor, we throw in the towel, and we give up too easily. And the enemy, he's not going to just willingly give over territory. He's not going to get bored and leave. He'll stand and challenge. And then he's going to send in the giant that he knows will intimidate you. And will it overcome you? Or will you fix the fight in you today? Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.6, I'm writing to encourage you to fan into a flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift God imparted to you when when I laid my hands upon you. You see, there are spiritual gifts that are imparted, deposited, placed in you at the time that you surrender and give your life to Jesus. And these gifts prepare and equip you for the battle you've been entrusted with God's gifts. And so you do not need to shadow box. You do not need to be on the sidelines, wasting your time uh, and energy on efforts that do not matter. You see, because the thing about Jesus is that he doesn't put us into a boxing ring with a pro boxer and then say, Kimmy, you're on your own, right? Like, good luck girl, like you have no idea how to fight, you have no idea how to punch, you have no idea how to defend yourself, but go fight, right? Jesus doesn't do that. He says, greater things you will do in my name. In whose name? Not Kimmy, in Jesus' name, right? It's not in our own name, it's in the name of Jesus, and so that means that if we're going to do things in his name, we got to learn how Jesus would fight, How does Jesus fight the enemy, right? How does he, I mean, he has victory over the enemy. What does the New Testament say that Jesus did? Well, he was obedient. He spent huge amounts of time in prayer. He knew the scriptures, right? He was in community with people. He forgave, right? All of these things are ways that Jesus gives us this example of how we prepare ourselves, how we strengthen ourselves to be able to step into the ring. You see, and Jesus gave us incredible tools, gifts empowered by the Holy Spirit that are alive and at work in us. And, and over this next few weeks to so this new sermon series, we're going to talk about these spiritual gifts, and we're going to debunk the myth around them. You see, there's a myth that we need to stay out of the fight, and, and I don't agree. I say yes, we need to stay out of the fight with each other, okay, yes. We need to learn how to communicate. We need to learn how to forgive. We need to say sorry to each other. We need to resolve conflict. We need to love radically. But that's between you and I that we should never have a fight. Why? Because as soon as you and I are having a fight, what does it do? It distracts us from the enemy. The enemy uses that as a distraction to get your eyes off of God so that you're now distracted and you're now actually in a battle with the enemy, but you think you're fighting against somebody else and God's like, get out of that fight. Get into the spiritual battle with the enemy. You see, the enemy just wants to, dis- to distract us and it's a myth that we stay out of that boxing ring. We need to know how to fight against the enemy. We need to be in the right fight Right? Not against our, our friends, our husbands, our wives, our kids, our parents, but a fight against the enemy. Right? Go back to Ephesians 6.12. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings. It's not. It's with the enemy. So back to spiritual gifts. That's what we're going to focus on over this next few weeks. And when we think of spiritual gifts, we often think of them as, as and maybe this is just me, I don't know, but I often think of them as these sweet little things that come in these pretty little packages, right? Like pretty little packaging and pretty little bows, and and that's kind of what we think of spiritual gifts, that they're these pretty little things, right? But what I want you to think of is that spiritual gifts are actually a weapon to defeat the enemy. And I'm going to show you why. 1 Corinthians 12, 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Capital S, so we know that's Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Capital L, we know that's Jesus. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And then it lists out a bunch of spiritual gifts. Now, I need you to know this is not an exhaustive list. There's actually a few places in Scripture where spiritual gifts are listed. But this passage here says that that, that to one, there is given through the Spirit, Holy Spirit, a message of wisdom and to another knowledge, and another faith, and another healing, and miraculous powers, and prophecy, and discernment, which is distinguishing between spirits, and speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another, the interpretation of tongues. And all these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them each just as he determines. So I cannot give you the gift of wisdom because I am not the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit distributes these gifts as he determines. And so there's other gifts that are in the New Testament, such as hospitality and mercy and giving and leadership and pastoral. And if you think that you only get one spiritual gift in your whole lifetime, that is a myth that we need to debunk. That is absolutely not true. I have had many different spiritual gifts That the Holy Spirit has distributed, has given to me. And some of those gifts I've had for a lifetime, absolutely. And I have worked to operate in them, to learn about them, to know them. So that I'm like fluent and become like an expert in those gifts. But I also know that God gives gifts depending on the circumstance. Sometimes he'll give a gift because it's what needs to happen to edify the body of Christ. Why? Because God the Father, the Son, and Spirit delight to give spiritual gifts to his people, the Bride of Christ. God loves to give us these gifts. He's not like, oh, you know, we reached a thousand. Like, there's our quota. Nope, can't give out any more gifts today. Like, he loves to impart the gifts to the bride of christ okay and he also loves to empower us for what if you go back to first corinthians 12 well he loves to accomplish different results right to benefit who well not me but to benefit us to benefit all of us and to glorify god and to expand his kingdom and to establish righteousness on the earth you see These gifts need to be used properly through the church. And as the church moves forward in these divine gifts, I believe God will continue to release more. Why? Because it's for the edification of Jesus Christ. It's for the edification of, of God and the Holy Spirit and the Bride of Christ. You see, it is the Word of God, though, that is the focus, not the gift. And so we need to be careful. The gifts are in the word of God, but it's always the word of God that we go to that will spread and flourish as the fully equipped church operates together. And the last reason he gives us the gifts is to serve Christ, right? He empowers us because he wants us to serve Christ. It's about the building up of the body of Christ. You see, there's a spiritual battle that is going on. And I'm wondering, will you journey with Jesus to discover what your spiritual gifts are? Will you be the one to step up into the fight against the darkness? Because we as the body of Christ, we need each other. We need each other. And remember how I said, that if you want to think of gifts kind of like weapons to defeat the enemy, I I want to give you an example. So let me explain. If I'm acting foolishly, if I'm thinking foolish thoughts, if I'm following foolish temptations of the devil, and I step into the boxing ring, what do I need? I need the spiritual gift of wisdom. Wisdom is going to defeat foolishness. So I need to know wisdom. I need to walk in wisdom. I need to choose wisdom. I need to find out more of, about wisdom, and I want to ask God for the gift of wisdom. It is like a weapon to defeat foolishness. If I'm living in fear, and I can't leave my house, and I can't talk to people, and I can't follow the God, the God call that I have on my life, and I can't take this step forward. And I can't tithe because I'm scared. And I can't even step into the boxing ring. What do I need? I need the spiritual gift of faith. The weapon of faith will defeat fear. The weapon of faith will defeat fear. It makes the enemy run. That's what faith does. It makes the enemy run out of the boxing ring when you stand up in faith. If I'm living in bitterness and complaining and offense, what do I need? I need the spiritual gift of hospitality. You know, someone told me before Christmas that there was offense that had been released by the enemy all over the world. And I actually had seen a picture of God releasing hospitality all over the world. What stomps out complaining and offense and bitterness? Hospitality hospitality the gift of hospitality you see these spiritual gifts are not for the meek or the weak or the mild you won't win until you get in spiritual gifts are for the courageous for those who are willing to step up and step in and say I will stand here from a place of victory from a place of victory you see I assure you I assure you church God wants to intervene on your behalf. But like the Israelites, God is asking you to step in. You see, in 1 Samuel, God raised a shepherd boy who defeated a giant. And in 2022, God is raising up a people who will declare, not on my watch. People who are willing to stand up and to fight when others want to give up that they help lift their arms up. People who won't throw in the towel, but will pick it up and will serve. People who will not opt out, but will opt in. When others run away, they will run in. When others are asleep, they will rise up and strike back against the enemy. Will you fix the fight in you? We get, um, we get the privilege and the honor to stand in the shadow of Jesus Christ who goes before us in every battle and we get the privilege because of his sacrifice, because of his great love to fight from a place of victory. Timothy, I'm writing to encourage you to fan a flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift God imparted to you. Church, I'm encouraging you to fan a flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gifts that God has imparted to you. Let's close in prayer. You see, God has equipped us for this battle. And so Jesus, we are excited that over (laughs) these next weeks, we we can learn from people Who have gone before us and who have operated in these spiritual gifts and lord god let us not see them as something soft and weak but let us see them as the powerful tool against the enemy that you have destined and preordained that they would be and holy spirit i pray for a miraculous release of spiritual gifts lord god fan the fire in us lord god fan it, rekindle our desire to step into that battleground and defeat our enemy because we know that we come from a place of victory, Lord Jesus. So teach us, Lord God, bring us deeper in intimacy with you, Lord Jesus. Bring us deeper with you, Lord God. Fan these flames, Lord Jesus. Help us in in righteousness, in obedience, and in chasing after the things that you did, Jesus, in being in fasting, in being in our word, and in being in prayer, Lord God. Fan the flame, Lord Jesus. We see the darkness, it's everywhere, but we know the light is greater. The greater is he who has overcome than he who is in the world. And so Satan, you can have the world. No, we don't care. We have Jesus. And greater is he who lives in us. And so church, I want to ask you, if you're like, I'm ready, God, I don't want to sit on the sideline anymore. I want to let go of all of those ideas and the condemnation and, and the identity someone else has spoke over me. I want to let that go. Then church, I want you to stand. Stand wherever you are. like, And just, Jesus, I'm letting go. I don't want any more of that. I want to be in this with you, Jesus. Would you go before me, Jesus? Would you rewrite my story? Would you rewrite my heart? Would you remind me of who I am in you, Lord Jesus? So that when I'm in this world that is dark, that I know that I have victory because I have light. Church, I'm just saying to you, just let it go. Let it go. God wants to equip you. He's got everything you need for this fight. There's nothing he will withhold. He will release every tool, everything that you need to defeat your enemy. Press into him. Beloved church, these gifts are for the edification of the body of Christ for the glory of God. Let's not play around with them. Let's not mess around with them. Let's take them seriously. They're a beautiful, divine, supernatural gift. Thank you, Jesus. And So we just continue to pray, release. Release of your spiritual gifts over us. Release your gifts over northern B.C. Release your gifts over Western Canada. Release your gifts over Canada. Release your gifts over the world, Lord Jesus. Greater is he who lives in me than he who lives in the world. You are greater. And so release your gifts, Jesus. Because we're in a dark time and we need you. We need you to overcome. We need you, Jesus. Release your gifts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.